Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Today I wanted to look at another Dhammapada verse, and it is the 76th verse contained with the, within the Pandita Vagga, and it's called Radha Theravatu, and it's the story of this Thera called Radha. It begins by saying, While residing at the Jetavana Monastery, the Buddha uttered verse 76 of the Dhammapada, with reference to Theravada, who was at one time a poor old Brahmin. Radha was this poor Brahmin who stayed in the monastery doing small services for the bhikkhus. For his services, he was provided with food and clothing and other needs, but was not encouraged to join the order, although he had a strong desire to become a bhikkhu. One day, early in the morning, when the Buddha surveyed the world with his supernormal power, he saw that this old Brahmin in his vision and he knew that he was due for arahantship. So the Buddha went to the old man and learned from him that the bhikkhus of the monastery did not want him to join the order. The Buddha therefore called all the bhikkhus to him and asked them, Is there any bhikkhu here who recollects any good turn done to him by this old man? To this question the Venerable Sariputta replied, Venerable Sir, I do rec recollect an instance when this old man offered me a spoonful of rice. If that be so, the Buddha said, shouldn't you help your benefactor get liberated from the ills of life? Then the Venerable Sariputta agreed to make the old man a bhikkhu, and he was duly admitted to the order. The Venerable Sariputta guided the old bhikkhu, and the old bhikkhu strictly followed his instruction and guidance. Within a few days, the old bhikkhu attained arahanship. When the Buddha next came to see the bhikkhus, they reported to him how strictly the old bhikkhu followed the instruction and guidance of Venerable Sariputta. To them, the Buddha replied that a bhikkhu should be amenable to guidance, open to instruction, like Venerable Radha, and should not resent when rebuked for any other fault or failing. Then the Buddha spoke in verse as follows. One should find and associate with a learned and wise person who sees one's faults and speaks reprovingly, just as a guide to some hidden treasure. It is better for one to associate with such a person, not worse. The story of Radhathera is actually a very important one. And if you've studied the Anumana Sutta, you already know that Radhathera is a very good example of being easy to instruct, this quality of uh, Suvacho. Now, although this teaching comes via um, a monastic, someone who's ordained and someone who wanted to be ordained, what's really interesting about it is the, a number of qualities about Venerable uh, Radha. And what the first one is, it's obvious that he was poor. The second one was that he was old. And, um, you know, he had this aspiration to be a monk and it wasn't something that was actually taken up by the bhikkhus in the first instance. But then Buddha came along and could see that uh, he was right for awakening and so made that happen. Now, usually when it comes to this quality of suvacho, that's when you're open and malleable and receptive. Like receptive to not just instruction and guidance 
but also the things that come after instruction and guidance. And that's normally constructive feedback, even constructive criticism, and all the things associated with um, method of making progress on the path, even to understand Dhamma. And so this Theravatu, um, Radha Theravatu uh, verse from the Dhammapada is actually quite interesting because when you look at it, it's saying, if you find someone who is learned and wise, and in the case of Radha Thera, he was ordained into the uh, lineage of the order of the Sangha, and so his learned and wise person who became his, I guess, preceptor was Venerable Sariputta, which is quite amazing for, for, for Venerable Radha. But even in a sense for us, like on our spiritual path, one of the things that is very important and repeated throughout the Sutta Pilika is actually looking for wise and learned people. So it could either be a teacher, but it could also be spiritual friends. It could be people we associate with who are learned and wise. And usually in Dhamma groups and Dhamma communities, that's why we gather together. Like goes with like. And that is also something that is uh, continuously uh, repeated through the suttas that Buddha actually always talks about. You like associating with like. So Sapurisas normally associate with Sapurisas. And then you also get on the opposite side that people who are Dusila, people who don't behave with morality and have uh, unwholesome ways, they normally associate together. So in terms of uh, wanting to understand Dhamma, to be able to know how to practice Dhamma, and then to actually make progress on the Noble Eightfold Path, it's very good to have wise associates, learned associate, associates, ones that ones that are who are actually genuinely Bahusuta of the higher learning and who have studied and practiced a lot. And this is also something that when it comes to Kalyanamitta, when you have uh, good moral spiritual friends, then that is also something that is seen as a blessing. So with this verse from the Buddha, um, what the Buddha then goes on to say is that when this kind of person, like a learned and wise person or a good moral spiritual friend, says to you that they can actually see your faults and then they actually either admonish you, as in criticize you, give you some constructive feedback, or even um, discuss certain things that highlight these things, then you know this should be seen as pointing out hidden treasure. Because if you really think about it, on the spiritual path, where we veer off the path, where we actually start to stumble and struggle, and we can't even see it, is when we start breeding defilements, when we start uh, adopting wrong views. And these are the things that are usually associated with unwholesome ways that Akusula comes into our practice, but sometimes either through laziness or through just not being fully conscious of the fact that we're doing these things or we allow them to pass through the net. That then if someone comes up to us and can see it, Having it pointed out to us is the hidden treasure because then at that point you can do something about it. You can uh, go back to the words of the Buddha, you can meditate on it, you can then actually uproot some of these things, just you know, see it as something very unwise. Maybe even discuss it with a Kalyanamitta or a teacher and then to say, well, I really want to abandon it because it's something that's not useful to the path.
What we often don't realize, and this is particularly true in studying the Anumana Sutta, is that we don't see the connection between receiving feedback, uh, being open and receptive to admonishment, someone pointing out our thoughts. We don't see that on the Dhamma path at times, that that is actually a real blessing. Um, the sansaric nature of all of us, uh, our conditioning is actually to reject any kind of feedback and get quite defensive or have some kind of qualities that show an intolerance towards being um, shown up in this way. But on the spiritual path, what's really true is that that is the only way that one can be corrected. That is also the only way one can actually see where uh, you are stumbling or being hindered on the path. And then the other part of it is, if you really want to make progress, then you need to actually address these things. And only someone else who can see will be able to do that for you. Unless you hold up the mirror to yourself and actually do a meditation like Anumana Sutta or Vatubhama Sutta, Saleka Sutta, Anangana Sutta, all these type of cleaning up, reviewing uh, mental stains and defilements to actually see Am I actually making progress on the path? Am I uh, self-sabotaging myself? So Buddha clearly is trying to uh, demonstrate that this quality of suvacha, easy to instruct, is actually a real saving grace. And if one can be very gracious and humble and also gentle in receiving feedback, then this can be a great boon for our spiritual practice. It's always good to remember that when someone uh, comes to give us feedback, it's usually for our benefit that they're doing so, that they are willing to make the effort to come in confidence to actually tell us something that is maybe sabotaging our path or maybe is unskillful and uh, is not good towards making progress on the path. When someone comes to give us feedback, it's often good to be open and receptive, but also have a feeling or a sense of gratitude, because it's not often easy for someone to come and offer us feedback. And, you know, when you think of it as a hidden treasure, it's even more so that this gratitude becomes more authentic. And sometimes you would actually want to foster that kind of relationship with a Kalinamitta or a teacher, a fellow practitioner. And it's really what you see is, over time it's for one's benefit and the benefit of the person also on the other side. Sometimes this um, process, it's more formally registered within like monastic Sangha when they have Patimoka. They, they actually confess. And as you grow in the spiritual path, what you find is if you foster good spiritual friends, there is a process within which you can reveal to your spiritual friends the truth about one's faults and reveal them with regret, not with uh, being inferior or superior or anything like that and not for it to be held against you it's more a process of confession and there's a lightness that comes into one's practice because you're actually very open and Buddha says this is a very good thing that when one has faults when you reveal them in full it's a very noble quality and during this confession process I think what happens is for both parties when you have that um, ability, even as lay practitioners to do so, it's a very good process that can quicken uh, the development on the Noble Eightfold Path. 
Now the other thing to say is as you develop this quality more, which is more of a suvacha, easy to instruct, easy to admonish, and easy to give feedback to, what happens is other people are more willing to come and help you. Other people are more willing to actually, uh, this is something that you need to look at. And maybe if you followed the Buddha's instructions this way. And, and so when people see that you're more amenable, that you're more obedient to even to the Buddha, then they're more, more willing to actually be open about their own faults, but also more willing to come and instruct and to have really genuine and authentic Dhamma dialogue with you. Now, in the story of Radhatera, what you find is once he ordained, he was under the instruction and guidance of Venerable Sariputta. And what is really important about um, what the monks were saying about Venerable Radha was that he followed, they were admiring and praising him for strictly following the instructions given by Venerable Sariputta. And, you know, the end result was that he was awakened, that he fully re realized um, Arahantship. Now what this demonstrates for us, even as lay people, is that it's really important to follow the instructions of the Buddha and the Noble Arahants. These are the people that have perfected the training. And quite often, it's so easy for us to veer off and even make up our own instruction from our own insight into the meditation. But if you sometimes follow that train of, of um, practice, what you find is that it may not fully give you the results that Buddha and the Arahants are talking about in the suttas. So it's very good to always double check, what am I practicing? What views am I holding? And am I still um, obedient and um, easy to instruct according to the words of the Buddha? And that was one thing that um, rather there was very... Uh, a good example of this was that he actually followed strictly. And I think when it comes to this suvachal quality being easy to instruct and easy to give feedback to, it's something very uh, important to bear in mind and to contemplate for oneself what does it mean to be easy to instruct and will I get the good results if I'm not easy to instruct. And this quality of being easy to instruct when you look at instruction and guidance, quite often when we listen to Dhamma talks, when we uh, go on retreats, sometimes what we find is two things. One, we don't often follow things to the letter, especially if it's someone taking you through specific instructions from the Buddha, because Buddha's teaching is the miracle of instruction. So he always says, if you do this, then you get these results. And then he goes, if you do this other way, you get these other results. And so we're meant to contemplate sequentially in that way. Now, when we don't do that, that's very telling that we are actually not easy to instruct. And then secondly, often if you follow teachings, you need to make sure that the teacher who is teaching you is actually in line with the Buddha and the Arahants. Because we're not sure that a lot of teachers and a lot of people who are talking Dhamma are actually following the instructions of Buddha. And when they're not, you need to be actually conscious of the fact that they may be leading you astray, not consciously, but through other methods or other means that inadvertently they do, and sometimes purposely they do as well. So that's quite important to bear in mind. When it comes to being suvacho, one of the things that also arises is that 
you start to see Buddha's instruction more clearly. That as you start to let go of the duvacha qualities, the qualities that want to do unwholesome things, wants to breed mental stains and wants to hold on tenaciously to one's own views. And usually wrong views equal practicing the wrong path. Whereas if you have the right view, you end up practicing the noble eightfold path. So when it comes to being easy to instruct, once you've let go of all those duvacha qualities, the difficult to instruct, then what you're left with is this suvachal quality and suvachal quality, easy to instruct, easy to follow the, the instructions of the Buddha and to receive feedback, you normally find that Buddha's words, Buddha's instructions starts to reveal themselves. So when you read suttas and immerse yourself in the teachings of both the Buddha and the Noble Arahants, then what you find is you see the code, you see Buddha's code of instruction. And that becomes swifter on the Dhamma path as well. So we can see how important this particular story is. And also the words of the Buddha. Essentially, these are the things that lead to spiritual progress. That when you are easy to instruct. And you also have good company. As in whether it's you're in the monastic Sangha. Or even in lay, with lay practitioners. When you have good Dhamma circle and good Kalyanamittas, then that helps you to make progress on the Dhamma path. And it's actually a distinction when it comes to this Dhamma path. It's actually also something that's referred to in the Dasutara Sutta, which is in the longer discourses, and it's the final uh, discourse in the Diganikaya. And it comes under chapter 2. It says, being easy to admonish and having good moral friendships these are the two things that lead to progress or distinction in Dhamma. So when you see that with Venerable Radha, when he was able to ordain and he was with uh, someone under the instruction of someone like Venerable Sariputta and alongside practicing with the bhikkhus, this was the good association. So what Buddha says, it's better to be with good associates than not worse. And so with lay people, it's a similar thing. It's good to be around Sapurisas, people who are practicing the Noble Eightfold Path, people who are earnest in their practice and who are willing to actually give constructive feedback, willing and able to foster trust with us and therefore um, we can also do the same for them. And then it becomes that symbiotic, very blessed relationship and all of us can progress on the path. So let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be well. May all beings find the right view and practice the Noble Eightfold Path. Wishing you all well. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Theruan Saranai.